and welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt, and today I am joined by a very special guest, my friend M. We are Hello. currently students together at the University of Iowa. M is a multimedia composer, artist, performer, musician, and uh, she's here to talk about They Slash Them, which is the LGBTQ conversion camp horror starring Kevin Bacon. One of his worst performances, <laughs> I have to say. Really giving us I, absolutely nothing. He had bills to pay. And I think that it's, <laughs> it's evidence this. in this. Film. Like, I don't... Like, it's him yeah. in Blumhouse. What the hell? <laughs> I think that, uh, of course, this being the LGBTQ horror, it was sort of marketed towards... Uh, LGBTQ people and uh, yeah what it premiered at Outfest and some other stuff another entry in this long list of queer horror and queer horror uh, has such like a dominant place as a Mm -hmm. subgenre and it felt more to me like this was trying to capitalize on that rather than be a well-intentioned entry into that genre I was I was talking to my partner about this, and it's like instead of saying we would like to make a horror movie, here is our idea for a horror movie. They said, "I would like I've seen horror movies. Let's make one of those other movies." Right? It's like yep. have an idea. I'm begging you. Yeah, and they had I mean they had a title. That's sort of the important thing. So they slash them, obviously referring to. Uh, people's decisions to use pronouns, and they make a su- such a big deal about that at the beginning yeah. with Jordan's character yeah. that I knew it was coming, but then when that interaction happened, I just said, oh, God. I think my notes <laughs> say, fuck you, movie. <laughs> it says that it, a lot. It just, it just feels so so not genuine in its like attempt to convey that. And I think that one of the things that's struck me so hard about this movie is it it's buying into its own logic a little bit in mm-hmm. the way that it creates distinctions between people because the the use of stereotype and caricature for the gay and lesbian characters mm-hmm. is and the trans characters bit, like in the trans characters but i think that for the gay and the the lesbian character it's almost like they're treated with more validity than the non-binary and the trans character. Yeah. Did you get that at all? Oh, I got that. But then the movie doesn't actually have anything to say about that. It just, yeah, like you said, like it, yep. it reinforces its own bullshit that it, it's pretending it's against, right? It does that with yeah. how sexuality, we can talk about this, but like this is a deeply unsexual movie for, for a movie that has two and a half sex scenes in it. With the exception of the scene on the dock, which is a whole thing, right? Like, sex is always presented negatively and as this, like, way of manipulating people. It's just absolutely wild. There's a way in which it's almost played for shock value. Yeah. That is a problem in in a lot of horror movies, right? Mm -hmm. Sexuality in horror movies... from the, it is inherent to the slasher genre, mm-hmm. the way that basically uh, Friday the Thirteenth, which I, this 
feels like it draws a lot from Friday the 13th. Yeah. The the use of like sex as a vehicle to show uh, wickedness. And so mm-hmm. the camp counselors are being punished. Yeah, I mean, that's slashers, period, though. Like slashers, mm-hmm. if they are about something, are mostly just about sex, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then in this film, they use that, but they use it in a way that is somehow... Uh, well, not somehow. It is just worse. Yeah. Uh, they they don't do it well, and it's not sincere. <laughs> no, and you can see a movie that, like, doesn't take itself as seriously and is okay, like, trying stuff. You can, you can see that working really well. I, I remember one of the problems of this movie is I remember no characters' names except Jordan. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but the... The two counselors who were married, who have that scene, the scene where they're in bed, where they die. Yep. That could have been so much skeezier and like grosser and more effective if they leaned into the reality of what is happening, right? If they point out the absurdity of every part of this. Yeah. And it is absolutely absurd. Yeah. We could, we could talk about, right better conversion camp movie, but I'm a cheerleader, right? Like, Yeah. That, that, like, the thing that that movie does is it says, from the get-go, these people are caricatures. These people are absurd. These people are ridiculous. And therefore, their ideas are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of, that movie, and, like, oh, my God, it's almost like you can use camp to say something, right? <laughs> but, like... Yeah. Being really honest with that facade delivers the point of sort of like, what even is this gender binary we're reinforcing? Why are we imposing these ideas about sexuality on people, let alone teenagers, right? And it's like, I don't know. This movie just failed to do any of that. Yeah, it is somehow offensive and also pandering. Yeah. (laughs) Which is which is baffling that it was able to create that duality, and mm-hmm. the the film does kind of the the trio of of sex scenes throughout, right? So there's mm-hmm. the the lesbian sex scene, the gay sex scene, and then the, the quote, straight, people straight who sex die. scene. Yeah, the straight people who are using uh, images of same sex to fuel that, which I think is and, and another images trope. of the. I'm going to say yeah. kids, this this movie has big 27-year-olds playing teenagers vibes. Um, but, yeah. But, um, yeah, which is, right, which, which a better movie would say a lot about, like, how we treat queer people's bodies and inherently fetishize and sexualize them, right? Would Would say something about that instead of just, like, depicting it, right? It would be there to, mm-hmm. to do something. <laughs> yeah, and especially especially the way that it's kind of placed on kids from a from a very young age, like this mm-hmm. this cult of, of sexuality that is simultaneously discouraged but also forced on young people, especially young queer people. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, obviously that's conversion camps is it's trying to force heteronormativity and and one thing this movie like doesn't do is give us any context right so uh kevin bacon's character says multiple times like this isn't about god but then jordan talks about their like religious family right it's like 
clearly it is, but the movie doesn't do anything with like the fact that Kevin Bacon is lying. Right? Yeah, it never does anything to talk about Kevin Bacon or like the the background of conversion camps. And I do think that the conversion camp in the movie mm-hmm. is is played pretty realistically in that yeah. At, at the surface, right, they they are still a business. Mm-hmm. So they have to make it seem like to people who would buy into this that it's a positive experience. And mm-hmm. so the facade of positivity slowly gets broken down over the course of the movie until that happens. Like when we discover that Gabriel is in some way connected yeah. to the camp and is, yeah. is a mole Gabriel's honey potting the swim champ. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a very it's a it's an Adam and Eve thing, right? Because he mm-hmm. even refers to as the as the apple, and it's like, well, that's yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's like, yeah, <laughs> no, you're that's right. malicious. <laughs> so uh, to have like the this background, and then it's also like, why do you have a gay character on stage, like? Yeah, like, that's clearly, that's not how that works. (laughs) But this is more, this is more of that, like, presenting queer sexuality, both in in that scene and in the the scene with the pie, um, as as this, like, thing that adults are using to manipulate teenagers, right? And it's just like, wait, hold on. That's fucked. (laughs) Like, the insidiousness that is the conversion camp Mm-hmm. is realistic it, it's just that they didn't follow through or like actually take it to a realistic place it was just sort of this like camp scenery yeah and it was just like a, a an indecisiveness to how they wanted to actually portray life which, here which is wild because like john logan who wrote this movie knows how to write a movie yeah like did you look this guy up? Yes. Like, what the and fuck? It is... This guy wrote Red. Like, I love that play. <laughs> yeah. And he worked on The Aviator. He worked on Rango. It's like... Created Penny Alien. Dreadful. Wrote some James Bonds. Wrote a Star Trek. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It, by all means, should have been better. <laughs> For... Uh, for for a man who like wrote the book for the Broadway version of Moulin Rouge and wrote the film adaptation of Sweeney Todd, does not know how to make a Broadway joke. <laughs> like yeah, oh, it's the, the and they're like oh boy the gay character likes musicals more at eleven right come on yeah yeah. The the oh I'm more of a Sondheim man is funnier when you know that. The author also wrote Sweeney Todd. Yeah, right. Uh, They're just adaptation. like, I need to point out that Sondheim is good so that I have cred. R.I.P. Yeah, and that's exactly what it felt like. And that was that was the... Oh God, it the felt like... Do, do you know... Did you ever watch The West Wing? Yes. So you know every time anyone brings up musicals in The West Wing and it's fucking awful? Yeah. Yeah, it felt like yep. that. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I, as a person who does like music theater, even I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right. Every, every character is simultaneously a, a stereotype and also so underdeveloped. Well, no, no, who has Nothing character development? 
the 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 correct like the swimmer because he's less of a dick later yeah and after he gets electrocuted like i don't i don't understand and and also there's there's like one statement which was um it's it's alexandra Jordan and Toby are talking, and Toby, who is the you're the gonna gay have to remind. Okay, <laughs> Toby's Toby's the gay character Broadway star mm-hmm. who mentioned they they're talking about wh- whatever his name is. Stu is it Stu? Again, Stu. I I do not remember. Or Zane? I don't know. No, it's Stu. Okay, so they're talking about they're talking about him, and no one in 2022 Toby's- is named Stu. Come on. Yeah. It's they watched Rugrats. Uh they they mention once he's just like, "Oh, Stu, he's almost my fiance." Like that and that's the only like indicator that at any point there was some sort of budding romance between them. And then at the end where it's like, "Oh, we're supposed to believe that there was a romance between Toby and Stu or is this like a weird found family where Stu who is trying to be straighter uh, yeah. Suddenly, is now like openly gay. Which, which we, again, I don't, I don't want to just talk about. But I'm a cheerleader. But that's what. But I'm a cheerleader <laughs> is about, right? It's yeah. like here are these caricatures of queerness, but they like get to escape this shit by finding like family and community and support in that, right? That like. And, and it is depicted. What what we see isn't, like, individuals doing anything. What we see is, like, the kids coming together to support each other and help each other. Right. And, and they don't. Yeah. <laughs> no one does the anything only, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, the only person who demonstrates competency is Jordan. And immediately they undermine that authority I just don't are, are we talking about the like, dog scene? What are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the it, it introduces this idea that like, oh, Jordan is a military brat with yeah, which a which is set up by one photograph. Oh, I guess it comes up in the therapy in the therapy scene. I have the dumbest right. thing in my notes about the therapy scene. We'll get there. And so, so Jordan demonstrates that they know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. Great. We got it. Then they're trying to make Toby kill the dog. And, yeah. And then Jordan just does it. And you're like, oh, this is going to come back later. Nope. And then it does it. <laughs> it but it's also dies. like, how is this scene resolved? Oh, by Jordan capitulating to this idea of masculinity that Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. is presenting them, right? Like, And I think that this is, is true to life. Mm-hmm. Jordan being treated as trans non-binary better than Alexandra is being treated as trans mm-hmm. because because of the even from like the sleeping arrangements thing mm-hmm. there and so yeah this idea that like ooh Alexandra is trying to hide so she's worse mm-hmm. right and there there's uh there's this like underlying idea of one authenticity but two embracing masculinity as somehow superior which is yeah. reinforced in that scene because Kevin Bacon's character is just like men just grew to be bigger and stronger than women and it's like oh okay yeah. so that's why it's all right for Jordan to be trans non-binary but Alexandra can't 
Yeah. Yeah. It, that's that's where that yeah. that that own logic breaks again. It's mm -hmm. it's it's buying into the logic that it's trying to argue against. Yeah. It's just disappointing, right? Like every time I was looking for a glimmer of hope in this movie, right? It was like, oh, this scene that's about like. Alexandra being denied her medication, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I want to feel something with this, but this movie has a big, like, has a big show-don't-tell problem, right? This movie is just, like, explains things. It's like, no, like, as, you know, I've missed a dose of my HRT before, and it feels like shit. Just show that happening to her, and then we can understand what's going on later when we see a pill bottle, right? Like, for fuck's yes. sake, make a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, there's there's no uh, there's no emotional stakes. Yeah. At at no point does anything feel real. Even though that we know that this is a slasher movie, because it sets up the slasher element of it at the very beginning when yeah. uh, the nurse that is coming to the camp yeah. gets murdered. That by, we then find out is yeah, the nurse later. Is the killer's name is Molly or Angie? Which one of those was her actual name? Her actual name was Angie. Okay. Her fake assumed nurse name, name was, Molly. was Molly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the the nurse who also is is this enigma of a character because she's right because, and based <laughs> because yeah she's right first of all but also doesn't play the entire first half of the movie like she's the killer. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, we don't get that set up at all. No, it, it feels like it was at the end of the, the filmmaking and they were like, oh shit, we didn't actually decide on who the bad guy is. Yeah, it feels like it feels like playing a game of Clue, right? You just get to the end and you're just like, oh, this is what happened. Nothing else yeah, really it, matters, but... <laughs> So there's no there's no ideas about Angie and we get like we get that Angie is more accepting, right? And that mm -hmm. only happens through the it's our little secret scene with the pills. And that's the mm -hmm. only indication that we have that she is somehow different than everybody else that is there, but it undermines the legitimacy of of her as the villain in these in the scene where uh, they bring Stu in after he's been electrocuted, right? Mm -hmm. Because why not just do kill them then? What, what is yeah. the what, what is, is the play of by... this? Yeah, there are, there's like this constant elongation of the process, yeah. and so much happens the first few days that they're there, and there's no there's no stakes or villainy. Yeah, we don't get to, we don't really get to see like how people feel about things that happened, right? Like, the scene after Jordan shoots the dog, just, like, there's no dialogue. There's no characters, like, having just witnessed this horrifying thing, talking to each other or comforting each other. Like, nothing happens. And Jordan just walks off. Yeah. Jordan, right, like, right, I expected that the... Yeah, you mentioned this already, Jordan, like, being proficient with the rifle, right? I'm just like, cool, Jordan's gonna kill some people. It'll be great. I'm gonna have a good time at the end of this movie. This is a movie called They Slash Them. And the they's do the no they's slashing. do no slashing whatsoever. Yeah. The one There's they no slashes nobody. 
like for this being a horror movie, there's very little horror. Which actually makes the uh, the scene where Gabriel is being electrocuted while all of the the, the, uh, the like pictures of Calvin of Klein ads or whatever. Yeah, which is a which is a real thing that they yeah. would do, right? It's it's uh, negative reinforcement therapy mm-hmm. or, or aversion therapy. That was like a a real thing, and so that that scene in in the lexicon of like kill scenes in mm-hmm. slasher movies, I was like, oh wow, this is a good scene. Yeah, it doesn't work in this movie. Yeah, but it makes no sense, scene. and this character is deeply confusing. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so it's it, it has like, and there's this like weird subtle, there's like this undertone of of Gabriel being like a. A traitor to the cause, but also yeah, but he also is gay, but yeah, also. well, but but also right, Gabriel is a traitor to the cause if we go with Angie at the end of the movie, right? If the cause is stop this at all costs, then yeah, but we yeah. didn't get that. <laughs> no, I just have no explanation on who Gabriel is supposed to be. Yeah, I looked it up. The actor's like a Brazilian model or something. Which makes sense for why his accent is confusing. Yeah, I (laughs) thought German. Yeah, it was German, and then it was just like, are you from, like, Venezuela or something? What is happening? (laughs) The the composer of this movie is an artist called Drum and Lace, who does not list this film in the rest of her work, which first is very funny. Um, But also... A large part of her work is doing like music for fashion shows and like runway oh, events. And that's not in this movie at all. <laughs> right? No. This score was utterly forgettable. And it's like, did you just not let her do the thing she does? Like, come on. Yes. I have no idea. That is absolutely true, and it didn't really connect with me until just now that it was like, oh, I don't remember a single thing happening. Yeah, with the score of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> which there it's was... nice when the score tells some sort of narrative. Yeah, along when it with does anything. <laughs> yeah, and this just was very generic. And you would think that having like a, a connection to fashion and music for fashion shows that would at least kind of play into the queer subtext of the film. At yeah, would have helped a lot. Right? Would have done. I guarantee some, if this was an A twenty four movie that would be in there. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, but it also would have been a better movie. Yeah, the the Angie would have been right because she is. Yes. <laughs> I I it want to me. I want to make that very clear. Especially funny thing, there's a line about drag shows in the shooting scene that like hits better now than when this movie came out. So that's something. <laughs> I don't. I fully missed that. There's a line where, like, the... Oh, the dude counselor. They all die. I don't know what their names are. Uh, Compliments said says to Jordan something like, oh, you've done this before. And Jordan says, yeah, once or twice between drag shows. Uh, Right. (laughs) Which, like, is actually a more, like, confrontational line now than it was, what, a year ago when this movie came out? Yeah. Which is terrifying. I want... I want to talk about just in cinematic choices. Mm-hmm. I we the pink song, the use of the pink the, song. So in the middle of the film, there's a scene where Jordan, I believe, starts this 
chorus of pink. Is it Jordan or is it perfect. Alexandra? It might be Alexandra. It's one it's of the, the two. two of them. Yeah, one of the two the, trans people. Yeah. They start they start singing Pink's Perfect and then everyone else joins in. And including then all these this, people we don't like. Including yeah. Stu, that's the swimmer's name. Stu? Stu. Stu and including Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. And they they do this whole dance and while I was watching I was like is this is this camp? <laughs> is, is this, this them trying? Yeah. Yeah, I was like is this them trying to do camp? Because I have no other explanation for this fucking camp rock bad Cinderella performance in the middle. It's it's like if there was if this was a jukebox musical, they wouldn't change that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It just—it's so yeah. out of like yeah. it's suddenly this tone break. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe film. this was supposed to be a musical. That would maybe this have, was in the first draft a jukebox musical. That honestly would have potentially made it bearable. It would have been—it would have been much better, right? Because musicals be- inherently add camp, right? Musicals add this sort of heightened absurdity to what's going on. When I was writing notes for this. Uh, I described that scene as glee adjacent, and I don't yeah. think that that's In- a compliment. No, including that, like, they all look like they would have been cast in glee, right? Right. Because they're 27 and playing 19 year olds and kind of edgy. They they ha- do, like, a runway thing in the middle of it. It's And then it comes back at the end. And I, yeah, and I the, get it's the, the credits ending. song. Like, And I get the ending is supposed to be, it, like, this movie is somehow a found family film while not being a found family yeah, film. Not, not showing us any family or that family being found. <laughs> yeah, or the, no support except except Jordan saying that they're gonna go be with their friends. And, and they say to Molly slash Angie, mm-hmm. you can try to stop me, but I'm gonna go be with my friends. And then as they are leaving the building... The cops are rushing in, yeah. and Jordan is just walking through them. And I said, this would not happen. Yeah. <laughs> if There's they a... got a call that there was a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. I had I had a note about happen. this. Hold on. Hold on. Also, if Angie doesn't want to get caught, why would she give the rest of them a phone so that they could call the police? Yeah. With, just like... There's, I have a line there, I have a line in my notes that just says, "Oh honey, the police would let people do much worse than torture queer kids." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> and, and we're supposed to also believe that Kevin Bacon has he's like, "Oh, I'm on the Department of Commerce or whatever." Yeah. Like we're supposed to believe that he somehow has influence. So a bunch of cops rushing this convert like it just doesn't Yeah. <laughs> It's not clicking. It's yeah, it also not. it also like <laughs> I I mean this as someone ar- arguing to this from the left, but it's like lib shit, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, the the police will take care of it. No, they won't. <laughs> That's not what this is. In every aspect they took a wrong turn. There's even like moments where you can tell that they that they tried and missed, right? Like there's a moment where um 
I think when Angie impales Kevin Bacon, who probably has a name, um, <laughs> I think she says a line like, this is my truth, and then impales him, right? That's hilarious yeah. in a movie that knows that that's a dumb thing to say, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if this also, movie could be fun, then it would be good, right? The, the, like, this movie yeah. refuses at any point to have fun, except when it stops to be Glee for three minutes. Yes, exactly. And this could have been, like, half comedy, and it would have been a significant improvement on the movie. Yeah, like, let, once again, right? Like, it, it could be, but I'm a cheerleader, except there's except it's Friday the 13th. I would watch the shit out of that. Have, have at least some semblance of sincerity in its construction, even if that sincerity is comedy. Also, I, I love the fact that they have Owen impaled on a rhino horn. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? I get we're in the woods and he's got he's got the trophy wall, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's supposed to be a parallel between Owen's trophy wall and his wife's trophy wall. Because behind her, when she's knitting... Mm. classic old woman thing to do. Mm. It's pick it's child pictures of all of the kids that have come to the camp. Like that's her yeah. trophy wall. The the game wall is Owen's trophy wall, blah blah mm. blah. He's treating he's treating the kids like game that they have captured and re- eliminated. Basically killed the queer part of them. Why is there a rhino? <laughs> And also the only time that we we use that as a vehicle is in the is in killing Kevin's Bacon's character. Yeah, it's never in shot really before then. It's just like we need him to get impaled on something. What do we have right. in prop storage? And and so there's like no connection to there's no connection to like I don't know, right? This this film there's no it ultimately like there's not justice for those kids. No, there's Angie, not. And Angie gets justice. None of the other yeah. ones do because they are somehow above justice. Yeah, right. It's well, but what is the? But why have this? Why have this wall that is a like? It's supposed to have some kind of symbolism, and obviously, impaling someone with something has like a gay subtext in it, just like it did in Hellraiser. Yeah. So right. that like what, but it's not used for anything here. It's like this is, ooh, what this if is we again like, them on a wall. What if we made this queer movie about queer people that isn't queer in any way, right? Like, yeah. What if we refuse to like pay attention to any of what we're doing? It's like, did they even talk to a queer person? He's gay. Fucking what, John Logan? Kevin Bacon? John oh, Logan. Okay. <laughs> the guy who wrote and directed the movie. It was big. I forget if I... It, it's big like your dad is trying to seem like he's cool. Right, Energy yeah. in this entire thing. Of just like... I read two Tumblr posts three years ago about what being non-binary is. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I understand this well enough to write a movie. Yeah, it's it's a boomer approach. Yeah. <laughs> because it's also portraying gay millennials or queer millennials in a it, way that I'm just like this is it, clearly it, this is not just 90s shit. Like yeah. <laughs> like there's a point where oh, someone gets made yeah. fun of for like having dyed hair and it's like who does that in 2022? Right? Who's just like, "Uh, 
you, clearly a queer woman, have dyed hair. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, and by bisexual Asian, of course, because we haven't seen that stereotype yeah, that's, enough. Yeah, that's not a thing, right? Yeah, right. But it's not. The movie doesn't say their stereotypes, right? Like, again, fucking, but I'm a cheerleader, it does the same thing, except it's very clear that they're stereotypes. Everyone is, everyone is, like, understandably representative of who they're supposed to be, but even in this one, they, like, make them say what they are, because they make who, and I, of course, cannot remember... This is the group therapy thing at the beginning. Yeah, and they're talking about why they're there, and that is, I think, that so scene fake. is so fake, and is also, I think, a reference to Cheerleader. I think that happens yeah. in Cheerleader. I'm trying to, I meant to a b these movies to like remind me of what a good movie about this topic could be. Um, yeah, because I say it's... good. That's maybe a strong word for but I'm a yeah. cheerleader, but I love that movie. It's it's camp. Yeah. That, it's it's actual yeah. camp. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Watch New Evil. This is Matt. And this is M. And we'll catch you next week with another episode. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project.